guys yeah no, so you guys are going to be gone uh you're leaving us um you're going to be out on the water on the high seas what is sure. what is your cruise like for people that go on cruises what's your cruise pro tip gaming gaming I do a lot of gaming on the ocean, and a lot of people are ocean asking, gaming. Ocean gaming. A lot of people say, "What do you have? Like a Switch? What Switch games are you loading up with? Um, Mario, uh, Zelda, like whatever." Mm. And my answer to that is always, "Why would I do that when there's dolphins swimming alongside the ship?" And they're th- they want you to throw a ball to them mm-hmm. so that they can bounce it back up. <laughs> they want you to try and throw a ring onto their big nose. Mm. Uh, the whales want you to jump out so they can blast you back up onto the ship with their powerful blowholes. Mm-hmm. Like, why am I going to play video games when I can play real sort of aquatic folk games with the dolphins mm. and whales? Is my question. That's so true, Griffin. I'll be we'll be visiting exotic lands uh, with different peoples, different cultures, like. Um, there's a foreign land we're visiting called Half Moon Key that's a wholly owned subsidiary of the Holland America line, a <laughs> private island that they own and uh, is peopled only by their staff members. And what can I learn from them <laughs> that I would miss if I had my face in the screen? <laughs> right. Mario, Mario, Mario. You know, I wouldn't be able to learn anything. Like, what I, is I would miss their... all their traditional uh, dances and the uh, cuisine. They had something last year. Um, uh, a push pot? Have you had these? No, I haven't. They're small. They're like the lollipops of children here, stateside. Sure. Uh, but the, it's a lollipop without a <gasps> stick. So mm. as you twist, the uh, sweet fruit, or perhaps it's a candy, emerges from a tube, and you consume it there, and they cost 75 cents. <gasps> and it's like, what is their Zelda? Like, cause <laughs> that's you, what I want to know. That's what I want to know and broaden it a little bit. My name is Justin McElroy, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Griffin McElroy, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant, and my game is the best game this week. My name is Russ Frostick, and I'm playing those deep cuts you haven't even heard of yet. Oh, damn. Welcome to the Besties, where we celebrate the latest and greatest in video gaming, a game of the year podcast that goes all week long. It's like a book club for video games. And you know, these video games, they've come a long way since Pac-Man. It used to be a bunch of bleeps and bloops and uh, flickers and different but dots. Now we got fucking Bioshock, man. <laughs> now and there's it's, Bioshock. It's and I hear like, this one. Did you hear this? They're putting um, messages into them now. Some of them mm-hmm. have uh, things you can learn about being a human, not just points. Sometimes for some of these games these days, the points are the friends you make along the way. I was playing Bioshock. And I was surprised to see that it had a message, unlike Donkey Kong, who had no message. <laughs> and as far as I could tell, the message in Bioshock was, if someone wants to do something, you should just let them do it. <laughs> if someone wants to experiment with something or make some sort of new thing, regardless of what sort of problems you might have... You should just fucking let them do Way it, man. Easier yeah, because they're going to do it under the water. If you don't let them do it on the land, they will go underwater and do whatever and be, dank shit they want to do there. It'll be way more fucked up way. under the water. And that's yeah. on you. That's your fault. So we don't have a massive game to talk about this week. Uh, we are at the very end of the the slow times um, before there's a pretty good pickup coming of a lot of big games but um right here at the tail end before that that big game storm rolls in uh we wanted to get just like the the last few smaller titles that we are enjoying and give them a little bit of due before uh they get sort of eclipsed by some of the uh, the heavier hitters you might say I would love to start because I've been playing my game a bit and we've talked about it on this show a little bit a Chris plant turned mm-hmm. me on to it it is a wow i'm trying to think of what kind of genre to apply to it and i'm struggling but it is world of horror which is it's almost sort of like a digital board game like you could think of it sort of that way sort of a roguelike uh adventure game uh is is another way to think about it that 
its sort of defining feature is its aesthetic. It is a game that is sort of visually inspired by the Mac Venture games. So your uh, your Shadowgate, Manhole, your 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 OG Shadowgate. What's that? Manhole was Manhole. One of I them? feel like I remember. I- yeah, Mac adventure game called Manhole. Maybe it was for there was little baby. Deja Deja Vu was one of them. Yeah. Uh, Uninvited was one of them, and Uninvited might be the best sort of example because Uninvited, in some ways, was inspired by an artistic source that this game is like dripping with inspiration from, and that is the work of Japanese horror manga artist Junji Ito, who is is hyper prolific and you have probably seen if you're like plugged into this community like at all you've probably seen either some of his work or like something that references his work um, if you've seen like an image of it's like a a person uh with dead eyes staring into the distance and then they have a a hole in the middle of their like skull and that hole just seems to uh, recede into the infinite that would be like a, a very, that's him know, that's junji ito he's fucked up man yeah. Uh, this dude's got just his brain is so he's so twisted and <laughs> fucked up. Yeah, uh, that's uh, Uzumaki, which is like a long running series about a town that becomes cursed by spirals, and it's fucking amazing. I I adore Junji Ito's work. Uh, uh, Enigma of Amigara Fault is like maybe his most sort of referenced piece of work, and that is uh about a town where a cliffside suddenly has a bunch of holes that appear in it that are in the shape of people, and each hole is like perfectly molded for a person to go into and they go into the mountain and never come out. Uh, Why always towns and, though? Uh, I think that the, it sort of, I don't know, man, towns where scary. people live. Mm. It's where people live, man, real yeah. Americans. <laughs> uh, so it's tapping into these two very sort of crystallized aesthetic inspiration points uh, that are, I feel like kind of specific things. And I don't know that there's been a game that has blended the the two of them when I say, I mean, talking about sort of like a game being aesthetically inspired by something, there are different degrees of that. This one is like, if you're familiar with Junji Ito's work and you see any screenshot of the game, like it is a lot of, uh, you know, body horror. One of the first investigations you do is uh, f- about a woman who mm. uh, uses scissors graphic. to... Oh, okay, fine. But there's scissors and oh. body stitching. And, okay, like, pretty, we can fill in the blanks. <laughs> And that's like Junji Ito works like in the grotesque in this game, like really, really dabbles in it as well in a way that is genuinely very upsetting mm. and very, very scary. And on top of that, you have this uh, if you've never played like the Mac Venture games, like one or two bit sort of aesthetic. Uh, also, like, uh, what was that game that we uh, Return played? Return of the Obra Din. Return, Return of the, of the Obra Din oh, had it. It's not 3D, it, though. Yeah. It's not 3D, right. So it's 2D, uh, sort of mostly still you know, grotesque images done in this like one or two bit art style. You can like change the different like color palettes of it between like different, basically like Game Boy color. Where you, uh, what was the Super Game Boy where you could oh, like yeah. switch the different like color yeah. palettes. So sort of on, in that vein. The game itself plays uh, like an adventure game where you, there's a few different modes. And so like there's an onboarding mode where you have this investigation that was part of the demo, I think, because it came out on itch.io, uh, but it's out on Steam now in, in early access. Uh, where you go into a school and you're hunting the scissor lady, uh, whatever. And like an adventure game, like you go through different rooms and the rooms are basically like cards that have a scenario on them. You have a character with stats, you have like a health pool and a mental health pool. And so different encounters may uh, hurt you physically or they may like just fuck up your psyche. Uh, but you also have like a strength stat and a dexterity stat. So like there's a sort of board gamey, if you've ever played, um, what is it? Uh, the haunt, house on haunted hill juice what's the game what am i thinking of the the one we play the trail at the trail at house on the hill right like you have a character with stats yeah, and you have cards like and they that. resolve in different ways based on what your stats are like that's kind of the basic breakdown of the game uh you can find companions to go along with you there's a ton of different items that influence how like different scenarios play out uh but every time you play it's different right you like get different scenario cards there's a different old god that you go up against there's a lot of like eldritch astral horror lovecraftian shit going on as well and there are different game modes where you can also like randomize what character you're playing as. Uh, you could have a character who's like a smoker, and so you have to keep your cigarette pile high, or else you start getting like negative benefits. Uh, uh, that that. What's in- the fun infected. factor? 
4.5 thanks for asking Justin mm. I was going to get to the fun factor next uh, the, the fun factor I think of the game is the the tone that it sets and the doesn't like, sound fun it sounds oh. really terrifying and miserable <laughs> well I mean okay but that's just the let's, t- just, let's leverage that claim at like every horror I know, game no, no, I just made, I get then. spooked too easily so that's not a knock on the game itself <laughs> Chris have you played it yet you are the one who sort of like, I, I played the demo years yeah. ago but i have not played the current version of it um it, it it's I, it's become a lot more sophisticated i think since, since that first yeah demo. it sounds considerably better i mean it was it was great when i when i played it but i yeah i this is one of those games that i honestly i have to recommend it to you i then couldn't decide if i wanted to dig into it yet or wait for it to get out of early access um because yes. because it is so systems heavy sometimes i feel better holding off um yeah and there's so much to play right now, but I don't know. After listening to you talk about it, now I feel like I should just give it a try. It is. It does still. Uh, I I completed one run. It's fucking hard as hell and and fairly unfair at some points. But I did complete like a run of the basic mode where you solve these five different investigations that are, are different every time that you play. They like pull from a a, a pool of multiple investigations, uh, and I like completed all that. And there's like kind of an end point that you get to, and it just like just kind of ends just kind of peters out and i was like oh boy i hope they can i hope they flesh that out a little bit like it definitely there are some places where it left me sort of wanting a little bit more and i've actually been enjoying it since i've been playing the random randomized like roguelike mode there's an endless mode where you just solve investigation after investigation and until you die or until the world ends which is another Mm. thing yeah I, I it's definitely not for everybody but if you enjoy sort of uh if you enjoy horror games if you enjoy sort of like uh, stat-based board games. Uh, if you enjoy Junji Ito, like fucking, of course, go pick it up. I think it's like fifteen bucks on Steam. And I don't know. I think it's really cool as is. I don't think it's got a long tail necessarily until it gets a little bit beefier. But uh, it's unlike any sort of horror game I've played before, and is uh, a very specific thing for a very a, a very specific person. Justin, you want to go? Sure. Uh, I am playing uh, Layer of the Clockwork God. Great title. It's a very good title. Uh, a lot of games these days have bad mm-hmm. titles, um, but this is a this one's got a good one. So <laughs> it's got that going for it already. Um, okay, so this is a sequel to a point-and-click adventure series called Dan and Ben. Oh, shit. That, yeah, Really? Buddy. Yeah, so there are... Two games before this, Been There, Damn oh, That, yeah. and Time, Gentlemen, Please, mm-hmm. which are two extremely, extremely funny uh, point-and-click adventure games. Size 5 uh, has has been going on, continu- which is mainly Dan Marshall. He's half of the team with Ben Ward uh, that made the first two. But Dan Marshall's continued on. He made games like um, Privates and... Uh, gibbage and a few others but um they are back now with the third sort of like main dan and ben game called layer of the clockwork god um and oh he also made the swindle that was a big one it was like a stealth roguelike Mm -hmm. game but anyway they're back now with layer of the clockwork god um i can't tell you why this game is funny because like me describing something as being funny i I can tell you jokes out of context it won't do any good it's very funny and it's having a lot of um you know what? Let me talk about mechanics first, and we'll get to that. So, it is still an adventure game in that Ben, half of the team, the two guys, Ben and Dan, Ben is still very much into adventuring. Dan has decided that the world has moved on, and he is going to be a platformer, mm. and that is his calling. That's what he's go- that that is what he is going to do. Um, he will no longer be picking up items or interacting with them. He will only be running and jumping and moving things with his hands okay. <laughs> and collecting items. That has caused Ben to sort of double down on being an adventurer. So he refuses to even step over small gaps. And it's all in a uh, 2D world, right? It's on a platformer world. But Dan refuses, or sorry, Ben refuses to uh, step over small gaps or fall down things or push things. He will only do point and click adventure type stuff so the game becomes this hybrid of platforming and point and click adventure where dan is frequently 
picking Ben up to carry him to the next point and click adventure type scenario. And there's constantly like, uh, there's things like, um, you know, at one point (laughs) to get him over a small gap, Dan has to run around and jump and find a, like a cloud that reverses gravity so he can momentarily lift Ben into the air and then set him back down by re-reversing gravity to get him over a very small gap that he refuses to step over. And you switch between them at will, right? So there's like, there will be a little bit of like fun platforming stuff. And then you switch to Ben and there's like, um, you know, more in depth, very Lucas artsy sort of adventure sequence. Uh, Um, Question. Yeah. Hit me. Have you also played the visual novel? That launched. I have not. That you get for free. Yeah. I guess if you buy this game, I have not. I've played. Uh, I have not played the visual novel. I, I would love to offer more, other than just the fact that you get a free visual novel <laughs> with this game, <laughs> with a totally different art style, and it looks wonderful. What is very funny is that Dan, in deciding that he's going to be a, a platformer, is also taking the high ground. What he contends is that the real art, the real soulful independent art is being made in the platforming mm. genre. And he frequently points out how his jumping and running around is actually metaphorical <laughs> and very moving. Because he's taking the high ground. I like that. It's very funny. Right. The entire first level is them trying to find <laughs> trying to find a flower that will cure their friend of cancer. Oh my God. And it's they they're constantly talking about how kind of inspiring it is and how every jump is representative of a step in their journey towards <laughs> it's very good and you just carry this flower around with you the main arc of the story is that all the armageddons are happening mm-hmm, at once sure. because the computer that controls all of reality it's ram chips burned out and you have to go through uh like 13 different sort of stages and experience the entire range of human emotion to remind the computer of how to have artificial intelligence. So Dan has to run around and collect RAM chips. And if he (laughs) collects RAM chips, he inserts in the machine and they're taken to another stage where um, they get to experience a different emotion and show the robot how to experience this emotion. Um, It's very irreverent. It's very funny. Again, like you just kind of have to play it for yourself on that end to get the tone of it. But um, it's very British, uh, which like I've been inadvertently copying like the some of the slang from the Ben and Dan games stuff like Brillo and Defo like mm. I've been cover- like Wizard. accidentally picking up for a decade yeah. like they, they are very formative for me and the fact that there is another one and that it is very enjoyable and smart and um, fun just to give you I, there's a, there's a bit very early on where Ben gets battery acid and he uses the battery acid to dump on some vines to clear a path through, right? That's the puzzle you solve. But he keeps the battery acid, and you keep, for the next few minutes, you keep running into puzzles that are solved by just dumping battery acid on them. (laughs) And he keeps talking about, they they shouldn't have given me this battery acid this early. I'm just using this for everything. And you constantly are just using battery acid because it melts stuff, and then you move on. Um, You eventually have to um, mix the uh, battery acid with a cooked dinosaur egg uh, to make an energy drink that gives Dan the ability to double Sweet. jump or to, to no to sprint with raptor speed. <laughs> uh, it is very dumb, but it's very good and well worth um, uh, picking up. I think it's so cool that they're making uh, they made another Dan and Ben game. True. Is it like, um, uh, is it, is the platforming like is the platform like anything to actually like write home about because i love the the point and click stuff in the the first two dan and ben games but yeah i mean it's not like life-changing but it feels good and i mean dan has been making uh dan marshall has been making like platformers and more action-oriented stuff like since yeah the last dan and ben game so it's not like he's completely out of his lane um in doing this it's a like it feels good i will say this it's a little cumbersome on a keyboard i feel like i'm kind of missing something by not just like using a controller but i've been playing on my laptop and just haven't gotten a controller i would recommend grabbing a controller for it it's on switch i started out on switch it's on steam and i can tell you how much it costs if that is something that you are interested in just going to (laughs) click on the button 20 bucks 
Very good. Very fun. The other thing I'll say is that there is a, in the main menu of the game, there is a store called the Size 5 Game Store where it says you can buy premium solutions to puzzles. <laughs> and every time you click on the store, they say it's not up and running just yet, but soon you'll be able to buy premium solutions <laughs> to the puzzles if you're struggling, which sounds hilarious. I, ho- I, I hope it's a real thing. I don't, it may just be a one-off gag. Anyway, that's the game. Well worth playing. Uh, let's take a quick break, and then we'll talk about two more games. This episode of The Best These is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos. You can do whatever you want. And it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their Aura frames. And they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now... You can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. You go get a phone. You just want a phone to talk to your friends and family. You're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because you got all this fine print little details and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense? Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans. There is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or you want to have a nice, easy solution save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month. Say bye to your overpriced wireless plan's jaw-dropping monthly bills. The unexpected overages sound familiar? To get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month. Go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, rocket money they make it so easy to get your personal finances on track especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need keep the ones you want get rid of the rest here's how it works rocket money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions monitors your spending and helps lower your bills they'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20 percent all you have to do is take a picture of your bill and rocket money takes care of the rest that might sound too good to be true i have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments i have and it's worked which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself rocket money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of 720 dollars a year with over 500 million dollars in canceled subscriptions so cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com besties that's rocketmoney.com besties rocketmoney.com 
slash besties. I'm going to tell you about Blood Roots. Have any of you even heard of Blood Roots? I have. Yeah, I was looking at it on the uh, Switch shop because I was hearing a lot of people say, hey, if you like Hotline Miami, you should play this. And I was like, yeah, I like Hotline Miami. Yeah, that's a good way of kicking it off. It is kind of like Hotline Miami, um, but not as, I guess, cynical and uh, grotesquely violent. It we is, should have a name for this genre at this point, right? Like this, Ape of- Out, Hotline Miami, there's a lot in this it's a, genre. It's a murder, com- a murder Katana combo. Katana Zero. Yeah. yeah. The, the way this one works and what differentiates it is if Hotline Miami is uh, about, like, extreme violent gunplay, kind of John Wick-ish, um, this is the Jackie Chan version of that. Um, Jackie Chan was, like, very clearly an inspiration for this game. It is not super gory violent. Uh, the weapons are whatever is around the, uh, the environment. So a weapon could be a boat paddle. Um, or a ladder, or a cart full of hay. It can be really anything. And the weapons are as much about annihilating enemies as they are getting around the world. So there's like a sort of platforming puzzle element to all of this. Uh, for example, the like these long, I think they're boat paddles, you use them to almost like pole vault over long areas. It's uh, like a, it's still a top-down yeah, it's still sort top of twin down. sticky. But there, there's okay, a I, lot of platforming and you if you fall in a pit, you are dead. That makes me a little worried. Yeah. I don't think platforming feels especially good from that perspective. So, I had a really sour intro to this game because I played it portable on the Switch and the top-down view, everything is very small on the mm. Switch screen and it does require at least it did for me more precise controls. So I found myself, even in early stages, falling in pits after like having a pretty solid run and knowing exactly how I wanted to go through this environment, uh, taking out each enemy in this very um, cinematic way, and then you know at the last minute making a bad jump and having to do it all over again. And that sucked. Um, I, I think I messaged Frush, where I was like, I don't know if I can bring this game yeah. at this point. Um but once I put it up on a TV screen and actually used a regular controller, actually, I didn't even do that. I, I, I switched to playing it on uh, the Epic Games Store on PC, and it was so much better. I'm having finesse controls, being able to see all the action very clearly. It is definitely one of those games where you spend a great deal of time memorizing your lines, figuring out, like, okay, if I, even though I can use anything in the environment, I, I don't find myself um, playing it as an improvisation very often. I find it more like, mm. okay, I'll try this. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, I'll, I'll use uh, the boat oar this time, and that'll allow me to take out five enemies, and then I have two more swings of it left. So I'll jump over to this other area, knock out a crowd, uh, jump one more time, finish off one crowd, and then I grab this axe because I know it'll help me take out this like armored type of character. And it becomes all about almost memorizing your path and then executing on it. Is that it's, to its benefit or to its debt? It, do, do you like that? Because, yeah, Hotline I, did that too, and I, I wonder. Yeah, I, I like it. I think what I liked more about Hotline was it felt a little more freeform. Like, I felt like I could go chaos, except for in, like, later stages. Um, right. This is, this is really rewarding when you can execute it. Again, I think it just means that the game has to really work control-wise because of the entire pleasure of the game is learning and then executing on these lines you don't want it to feel unfair like you didn't nail something because of how it controls not because of like whether or not you're any good at it um but overall i like it the other thing that i really enjoy about it is just the vibe um it is going for cartoonish reservoir dogs you are you know going after all these uh I guess, like, leaders who have different funny names. They're named after, I believe, all animals or something. And there's, like, a bit of a story there that is, like, charming enough. And, again, isn't the... What I feel like a lot of these games have, which is the, you are a murder god. And, like, why do you choose to keep pushing forward in this murder simulation? Think about it. This doesn't have so much of that, which is uh, uh, to its benefit. 
So yeah, I, I don't I don't have like a ton to say about it. It it is it's really enjoyable. Um, and if you if you like these sorts of games, of which there are more and more and more, I do think this shift to hey use everything in your environment rather than just you know like using the same guns, uh, is a nice enough variant that it's definitely worth a try. Uh, it does, uh, as Plan said, I, I don't know if it was a controls issue or just a performance issue, but it did seem like the Switch port had some growing to do of yeah. what I played. It, it ran a little hitchy. Um, so I don't know if that's a patch thing. I, I only, as Plant did, I only played in handheld mode. Maybe it runs a little bit better on TV. So, you know, it, it kind of changes from game to game, but uh, a little bit of a buyer beware situation on the Switch version, but it sounds like the PC version runs very well, which is Yeah, cool. I definitely recommend it on PC if you're going to try it. Cool. Uh, so my game is Crossy Road Castle from, from the deep cut Crossy Road universe comes Crossy Road Castle. Now, deep, you can't call it. I can play that on a fucking big screen at the Austin airport. <laughs> so I don't think we can call Crossy Road a deep. Cut really? I, I feel like uh, it's kind of underground at these at this point. Sure. Uh, so Crossy Road, the original, if you recall was just Frogger with a chicken. Like, mm. there's really no other way to put it. It was Frogger with a chicken. Cool aesthetic, like a low-poly aesthetic, but otherwise Frogger with a chicken. They've made a couple games since then, uh, including the arcade game that Griffin was referring to. But Disney Crossy Road, baby. And Disney Crossy Road. That's but, the good stuff right there. That'll keep you coming back for more. Um. So... They made a, basically the same game a bunch of times with like different skins. Crossy Road Castle is not that, although it has a similar aesthetic to the uh, the other games in Crossy Road franchise. It is a straight up to the guts platformer. Um, you know, you've got three buttons, move left, move right, and jump, and that's it. Um, the structure of the game is interesting insofar as it's platforming, but like micro platforming. So each of the levels in the game are like at most 10, maybe 15 seconds long, you like blow through them and they're randomly ordered. So you don't know which levels you're get you're gonna get. They do seem like it scales in difficulty as you get into later levels. They'll like throw you harder variants of the levels, but generally you you know don't know the exact order. And there's a few things that like jumped out at me. First of all, Apple Arcade, we've talked about a little bit in the past, has been like kind of desolate for yeah. since launch. Like, yeah, it's just been kind of rough. Like, they had some amazing launch games, and then there just haven't been a ton of them. This is definitely the first game that I've played on Apple Arcade since launch. That I was like, oh, damn, this is a game I want to play. I've played a bunch of it, and gets me like jazzed about the uh, service in ways that like the last bunch of releases have sort of not. So that's really encouraging. The other thing that jumped out is. Uh, platformers on mobiles, uh, mobile platforms like touchscreens are generally terrible. It's like not fun to play a platformer on a touchscreen. Um, and they, I don't know exactly what it was with the magic sauce, but they clearly spent a ton of time tweaking the just like how high the jump is, how fast the jump is, how much control you have, acceleration, all that stuff to the point where like, I feel like I have way more control over my movements and jumps and everything like that than I do in most platformers on mobile. I have a theory about that. Okay. I think it is because it has an extremely like rudimentary physics engine. Yeah. So like there is no um there is no like momentum. I, I, I played it for like a half hour or so, so maybe I'm talking a little bit out of my ass, but like my takeaway is that there was there's like no momentum, right? So like if you are running left and then you tap right, you are just it's Correct. a binary. Yeah, like you true. are instantly going right. When you jump, like you jump the jumping amount and like that's that's it. And so I feel like that that is always going to feel so much better. Uh we were just I was playing um Symphony of the Night just came mm. out on switch and that's you know touchscreen or not on switch maybe on switch by the time this comes out hopefully fingers crossed uh but on on, on the phone and while like the touchscreen controls on that are still good it doesn't it's not this like mechanical feeling of control that that cross your yeah i would say though that like the jump is not a it's not like you always jump the same height. Like you can actually control the height of your jump based on how long you push the button. So there is Mm. some nuance there. There's also like, if you jump after landing on a guy, you'll jump a little higher. So there's like some Mario vibe to that. So I don't know. It feels really good. I like the fact that it's super short because you can like 
blow through levels in like while you're waiting for a train or something like that. And also it has um, a really dumb and yet addictive uh, gachapon system. It's on Apple Arcade, so there's no monetization or anything. But um, as you play, you collect tokens and coins to unlock new characters and hats. And they all control the same. It's all just visual. But there's something very uh, satisfying about unlocking stuff. I would also say it is one of the best multiplayer games I've ever played on mobile just because the integration is really good. Like, it's super easy to hop into a game with up to four people and just start playing. Like, there's no oh, I need to log in and connect to this. And it takes like two seconds to join someone's game. It's all game. local though, right? It's all local Wi-Fi? Uh, it is over Wi-Fi. I don't know if it's only local. I can't confirm. I think it is. It might only be local. But if uh, even so, like I've played a lot of games that are even just local and it can be a pain in the ass to like get in the same game. And sure. here it's just like very clear how it all works. And actually it's, I would say, even more fun with two people because if one person survives the level, you don't lose any uh, lives. You don't lose any hearts. Oh, that's fine. So there you is. You can play with up to. F- you can play with up to four. Yeah, though, right? up to four. Um, and but like, yeah, I don't know. I I found it to be like very engaging in ways that like a lot of the uh, Apple Arcade stuff hasn't. And um, it's uh, actually distracted me from Pokemon Go and Fire Emblem for a little bit, which is quite the accomplishment. Um, so yeah, Crossy Road Castle only on Apple Arcade. Check it out. Okay. I will. <laughs> I will because I have Apple Arcade and so it's free. <laughs> and that's a good, for me, that's a good proposition. Yeah. That I don't pay money to get it and I like that. I like that I can just have it. <laughs> so that's good. We have a little bit of extra time here because we couldn't ask for your emails because uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, but we do want to talk about a little bit about the next gen. You know, we're about probably... What would you say? There's really probably no telling <laughs> how long it's going to be. Eight months. Seven to eight months out from the from the next generation. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Seven to eight months. Um, where are you uh, playing? I want to talk to you because I know you're plugged into this stuff. Where what do you what do you think about next gen right now? Where where are you at? Where am I at? Uh, so I mean, where are you at? I feel like we don't know much of anything about the new uh, PlayStation. Really specifically, but then Mark Cerny came out and did like a big interview about like the specs, right? Like fast yeah. loading. That's that the big. Loads. That Even, seems to be the biggest. That shit gonna launch Spider Man at you from a fucking trebuchet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I think I know I I know a little bit more about the Xbox and what people are gonna get hyped about. And the big question I have is: Are people gonna notice why these things matter? Uh, because a lot of the cool stuff that you're going to be able to do on on this new hardware might not even work on your TV. In fact, probably won't work on your TV if you haven't bought a TV very recently. What are you, um, so, what are you talking about? So some of those things are uh, obviously 4K is a huge thing. Not everybody has 4K, mm-hmm. but that's okay. We know that the Xbox and I believe also the PS5 will output up to 8K. I don't think anybody listening to this show or on this podcast has an 8K TV or plans to Speak anytime to soon. Um, they also have features that uh, require HDMI 2.1. Now, you might think HDMI 2.0, I have that. HDMI 2.1 can't be that different. You are wrong. It is a <laughs> humongous difference. Is the plug um, different? It, it looks the same, so Uh-oh. that helps. Um, you You plug it in say say you have best case scenario uh hdmi 2.1 on your new console with all these features and you plug it into the tv and you're like yes because i'm using hdmi 2.1 and i can send all this extra information i can have 4k resolution and i can have frame rates not at 60 like you know you would see on most tvs uh i can have them up to 120 Uh, right so like what people are used to on pc gaming and uh, I can also get G-Sync compatibility or, uh, G-Sync. or V-Sync. Yep, we're getting into PC <laughs> gaming talk where the screen uh, does not tear if the the game's refresh rate, which is like how many frames oh my God. per second, plant. is <laughs> variable. It's shifting. I know, I know. The, the point is... No, Plant is making a very good point now where it's like, imagine someone fucking on stage. Just <laughs> like, yeah. like, and imagine somebody at Best Buy trying to explain like what TV you should buy. So my point is, Here's here's what HDMI 2.1 does. It makes the picture, it can make the picture look way, 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 way smoother. Way smoother. But 
Again, HDMI 2.1, you have that on your console, right? So you're like, okay, I bought a new TV. It has HDMI 2.1. We're set, right? Right. Wrong. Because only really nice TVs that have HDMI 2.1 also have the specific, basically, firmware to match these features. So you could have both ports. Now, that could be updated, right? On some TVs, yes. On some, not. Because manufacturers say it's like Vizio, right? Maybe they want their top-of-the-line series to have these features. That way you buy that top-of-the-line series. Right. right? The point you're making sounds like it's harder to sell this stuff than it was the previous generation. Like, this stuff is way harder. And this is where I I will plug, we have a story on this on Polygon that explains it in far greater detail because Submit actually knows what half of the jargon I'm saying means. Um, I encourage people to check it out. But that's like problem one, right? The other thing that I think is really good, and this is going to work for everybody, and it will be very cool, is they're shifting to a thing called NVMe SSD. And those are, those are your hard drives. Yeah. They're solid state. And what is different between them and maybe you've already know about solid state drives. You probably have one in your computer right now. They're very fast. These are way, 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 way more faster. Uh, on my PC, it's directly connected into the motherboard. And this these are them little wafers. See- what? Those little snack wafer, those little snack wafer sized. Yeah, they uh, look they look uh, like yeah. extra thin Hershey bars. Delicious. Um, and the what that means is, is Mark Cerny did I think actually talk about this, though I don't know if he used the jargon. That means you can have uh, an open world game where you can move just astonishingly fast through it because it can load that world in real time. Uh, right. We don't think about this or notice it very often, but in most open world games. Uh, if you are, think about GTA Five, right? Like if you're on the highway and a lot of stuff's going by, that is usually a pretty desolate area because you, they don't want to have to load as much. And then when you get into the city, there's lots of corners that keep you moving slowly so that the whole world doesn't have to load. Um, in theory, NVMe makes that stuff easier. It also just makes your normal games load way faster. So a well, lot of backwards yeah, well, compatible stuff will be way better. Let me ask. Welcome to the to next me, To me, it sounds like the biggest problem they have is just like a marketing problem. Because How in, the hell do you explain this? Because in the in the good old days, we had VGA. VGA was pretty good. We were all pretty happy with VGA. Then we wanted something a little better. We had Super VGA. And that's clearly yeah. better. But when you talk about <laughs> mm-hmm. NVMA SSD, that sounds like a new hipster NVMe. party drop. <laughs> It sounds like I. I mean, I think it's. I think it's going to be less about. I mean, any any. What Chris is saying is going to be boiled down to that fucking Microsoft. Like the most powerful. I was there for the birth of the most powerful console again. Like that's what you're going to get. The faster load times out of Phil Spencer's neck. Yeah. (laughs) The the faster load times like speak for themselves. Like that presents really well. I think that it's going to boil down to like even aesthetics is like not even a fucking thing anymore. Look at the Series X and it looks like a you know uh, a a small frigid air chest refrigerator. Like whatever. Uh, I think it boil. I think like the bigger thing is going to be the systems level stuff of just like uh, Xbox Game Pass level stuff or whatever the PlayStation equivalent of that is or whatever their um, like onboard streaming thing is for, you know, yeah. uh, you know the, the PS5 remote play equivalent, the Xbox to PC like uh, cross play, cross share, like all that shit. Like for me, that's the stuff. I, and yeah. obviously like whatever the first party lineup looks like, which I feel like we still don't know jack shit about. I- I think this is Xbox PC gaming. Like, that's all it is. Yeah. So I, I don't even yeah. think about it as, like, a full new console cycle for Xbox. No. I don't think they do. Um, for at least the time being, I don't think there's anything first party that will be exclusive to Series X. I think the way that they're going to come out is PC gaming has blown up. People are spending that money, but there are still a ton of people who want all those benefits, all that fancy stuff. They want the best of the best, and they also want it to, like, work like reliably. without windows defender jumping in and being like yo exactly. dog restart your shit that's what series x is for and then they'll also have x cloud for some people and they'll still have the xbox one x and i think for the time being it will continue to be a series of variants not unlike how it works with new iphones right like if you really want the best of the best of the best 
and you want this special space alloy, um, sure, like spend that money. We know that people will buy it. What what is like the big question mark now is what is the PlayStation Five? <laughs> like, I don't think that's Sony's plan. I mean, it's one I, more. It's one more. Yeah, yeah. So the, right now we have the four. Right. Oh, 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 oh. Well, mm-hmm. that changes it. Yeah. I just like, for me, the re- the uh, I come back to play PlayStation 4 now. I, I built a new PC in January, uh, and I'm trying to convince Justin to do the same. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> he's afraid it'll break in his mm-hmm. hand, and a piece of motherboard shrapnel will go in his brain and kill him. And, like, that's not unreasonable. Uh, but I go back to the PS4 now to, one, play the play Dreams or the FF7 remake demo. And, obviously, that's where I'll play FF7 remake when it comes out. But for a long time, like, it was also, like, I played Destiny with my friends there. So, like, there is something to having a codified gaming uh, ecosystem that I know I can play with my friends on. Because, like, for... I, I don't have that on PC, and that's not to say it doesn't exist. Like, I think Discord communities, like, fill that need for people. But, like, I'm, I just don't play like that. Uh, and so the idea of having a gaming console like PS5 that is as powerful as my PC that like I know all my friends have and I can play shit with them on there like that's that is what I'm excited about but like I think the Xbox PC hybrid argument is way better for me this time yeah. around and so like if if uh I'm going to get a PS5 probably but like if it's going to be my road dog like it was this generation like I think that's uh, again as is always the case like it's going to boil down to like what the games Yeah, I think are it's going to transform it. into uh, how I view the Switch, which is I look at the Switch as like a exclusive player predominantly and then some indies. And I think that's what the PlayStation 5 for me is going to turn into is like, oh shit, God of War just came out on PlayStation 5. It's only there. I definitely need to play it because I loved God of War, the last one. Uh, whereas previously, like the PlayStation 4 was my like go-to third party, first party, like everything that was the main man. And if it's if the Xbox is effectively recreating that PC gaming experience where everything works and everything is cross play with PC like hell yeah it's it's the question it's a question of like what are you going to play the live service games on what are you going to play right. what are you going to play destiny 2 on what are you going to play uh you know uh monster hunter like what is the platform that you play those games that you play 500 hours on what do you play fortnite on what do you play dauntless on like th- yeah. that's that's the that's the question i don't know the answer to justin what's um, your where's your head at with this uh, you know what? I'm just irritated. I know this is going to sound stupid, but I feel like Microsoft didn't do themselves any favors with this uh, Series X oh, it's business. Terrible, terrible I feel branding. like, I feel like, and, and it's not just like, I don't like that name. It's like from a lot of what we're talking about could be fixed if it was just Xbox two, because then you look at the back of the game, it's like mm. enhanced on two, like enhanced on Xbox two or like, it, it just seems like they've really made it so much more like, what a wild way of making it even more complicated. You already have the Xbox One X. Now you have the Xbox One, the, the, sorry, the Xbox Series well, and X. there's going to be another one. That's different. That's going to be just Xbox, separate from the Xbox Series X. It's that's so That's going to be a next-gen, wild. but not as powerful as the Series X. It is weird. It's so weird. wild to it's me. It feels intentionally, yeah. like, bad. I don't understand why you would make this harder, especially when PlayStation's got, like, fifth one. Wait. Fuck you. Maybe that's what it is. They're trying to make it more like PC gaming. Oh, yeah. So, like, we need to make it. I think I already have this, but I better buy another one I be sure. I new Xbox just has, like, a weird elf lady on the box, like the way PC games have, mother- <laughs> like, the motherboard art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Extreme yeah, Xbox One. Y'all, next week. Yes. Games are here. But Griffin's not. <laughs> Griffin's away by the time the games show up. Uh, our intention is to talk about Doom next week. The The episode is going to go up on March 20th, and Doom will be out that day, and our hope is that we will talk about Doom the day it comes out because we maybe will get early code. We do not currently have early code, but maybe it'll work out. It's a real called shot. We shot. do not know uh, if we will have code for uh, early code for Doom. We can say confidently that we will not all have early code of Animal Crossing, which also comes out on March 20th. That's next week. You also, know I'm going to be in the mix for that shit. Also, we can't do Animal Crossing without... Like, we can't do Animal Crossing without no, Griffin. Let's not do Animal Crossing if it's an so option. Upset. 
Justin, you can take a vacation forever while we're doing Animal Crossing. Great, perfect. Yeah. So Animal Crossing is next, or the week after. Doom is next week. I will be gone, but y'all are going to have a lot of fun talking about chopping up all the demons. Yeah, please send all the uh, robots. Send your thoughts. Oh, I guess you wouldn't have played Doom, but Doom is a long-standing franchise, so I'm sure you have memories of Doom across the history of uh, across the time wheel. All right. This is also the first episode I feel like where we've done a game that uh ver- like is out today and people haven't played it yet. So like what about if you have questions about Doom? Oh, like, yeah. I feel like we ought to talk about that too. Yeah, we um, will answer questions about Doom. Right. Okay, cool. Well, that is uh that's going to be it for us. I want to remind you to uh th- thank you if you have already followed and listened to our show for free on Spotify. But if you uh, maybe have some friends that are into video games, you can tell them to do the same. There's this link, besties.fan. You can send them and it'll shoot them right over to our show um, and they can smash that follow button. Um, you know, some Spotify shows have like pictures where you can look at a picture while you're listening to it. We should try to figure out how to get pictures what? in it. <laughs> yeah, they have like, if you look at your phone right now, like every little thing does it, right? It's like you're listening on Spotify. Look at your phone right now. There's pictures. I mean, our logo is there. Know. That's true, Russ. Our logo is there, and it's very good. It's designed by Sarah McKay. And it's very good. Um, so uh, if you would be so kind to do that, that'd be great. You can mail us mail at bestiesfan. Can also follow us on twitter.com at the besties pod. And if you want to be the first to learn about uh, new shows and topics of future shows or anything else. You can join our newsletter, which we are coming up with a great name for. It is the first tweet on our account. It is pinned. That way I don't have to keep tweeting it every week and driving people mad. What about the nesties? Why? Because it's a newsletter for the besties. Nesties. You shouldn't have said that. Okay. shouldn't have done that. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much for listening. uh, And uh, be sure to join us again next week for the besties. Because shouldn't the world's best friends pick the world's best games? It's a Spotify original podcast in association with Vox Media. The show is edited by Jelani Carter. And our theme song is by Ian Dorsch. Nesties! Testies! Nope. <laughs> nope. Stop it. <laughs>